welcome to another episode of the Potato, Cafe Potato Podcast. Uh, this is our third episode so far. And uh, I want to say thank you for for watching. If you're watching the, the, the live stream of it or if you're watching the video uh, on YouTube that I put up later. When I started this, I only had like a vague idea of what it was I wanted to have the podcast be. I was inspired a lot by uh, a TikTok channel that I follow called Under the Desk News. And it kind of worked for me a little bit. The first couple episodes, uh, I, I scripted it and it worked a little bit. I was happy with the result, but in this third episode, I kind of come to a little bit better of an understanding of the goal that I have for this podcast. Mainly that I want it to be an intersection between the news, a presentation of the facts of a story, and a discussion of the human element of those stories, how it affects us uh, as people and the everyday lives of ourselves and those around us and those in the world as you'll come to hear from today's episode. So you'll hear a story and you might ask yourself, why should I listen to this guy? Who is he that I should care about his opinions and what he has to say? The answer might shock you a little bit. I'm no one and you have no reason to. So moving in, or moving on to the top stories that have occupied my headspace in its entirety for this last week or so in ways that I never imagined they would. We have local news, and by local, what I mean is the United States. I live inside the United States. Oftentimes, fortunately, this week, not so much. Greg Abbott the governor of Texas, is in the headlines this week, again, uh, this time for his attack on transgender children and their parents. In a letter that he wrote to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, he calls all forms of gender-affirming care child abuse, and then further instructs that all healthcare professionals report parents who seek such services for their children to be fully investigated and potentially have their children taken from them. So essentially, to put it in layman's terms in a way that I understand it a little bit better, a parent who has taken the time to give their children a safe, free space to freely express themselves And then the body autonomy also to be comfortable with how they feel. A parent who seeks medical and other types of care for their child to be themselves, to be how they feel that they are, can then have that child taken from them and be prosecuted for child abuse. Now let me be clear before... 
don't know. I don't follow political stuff too too closely, but I think right wing conservatives come from my head. Although you likely still will. I do agree wholeheartedly that children under a certain age cannot mentally or psychologically make a life-changing decision for themselves, such as a gender change surgery. That should be withheld until a certain mental maturity has been attained. But that is not the only thing that Abbott is attacking here. That's not the only thing that he's coming for with this. He's coming for all forms of gender-affirming care. Therapy, psychological evaluations, whether they're allowed to change their name, change their gender, or what they identify as, all of this. This is nothing short of a human rights violation, if you ask me. And while Texas is particularly atrocious with the laws that it's put in place, they're not alone in their actions. This is not the first time Texas has done something like this either. They're coming to fire recently in this last year or so for their anti-abortion laws. Once again, attacking bodily autonomy. Several other states, however, 20, or sorry, 17 so far in 2022 alone, so in two months' time, have introduced bills that prohibit or criminalize gender-affirming care for trans youth, according to the Civil Liberties Union. 17 other states, so 18 total. At the end of the day, no matter how you personally might feel about the LGBTQ community, we cannot start criminalizing people for trying to take care of their loved ones to make them feel loved, listened to, and respected when it comes to who they are, who they, how they feel that they should be, and how they would feel at peace and most comfortable. Speaking of human rights violations... In case you haven't heard because you've been in a, some sort of cryogenic slumber for the last 15 years, Russia invaded Ukraine this last week. The attack began on Thursday night, uh, Thursday this last week with a three-pronged attack coming from three different sides. Out of Crimea, which Russia annexed back in 2014. By annexed, I mean... They took it back. Crimea was once part of Ukraine, but Russia didn't like that. So they went in under the pretense of liberating Russian identifying individuals. But that's not part of the story today. They came in from Crimea into Kherson and Melitopol and Mariupol on the south. They came in from the east in Sumy, Belgorod, Kharkiv, Lahansko, Donetsk, and they came in from the north, out of Belarus and Russia itself, through Chernobyl, Ivanko, Sankivka, I'm probably butchering these names, but all of them headed towards Ukraine. And as it stands now, Russia controls much of Crimea, the area between Odessa and Mariupol, 
uh, a large part of the border that's between Belarus and Ukraine, uh, a lot of the border between Russia and Ukraine, between Kharkiv and Kiev. They haven't taken Kiev yet, though. That's the capital of Ukraine. This new invasion, for me, comes both really as a shocking move and also not. On the one hand, I had thought that a modern 21st, 22nd century, 21st century, I think we're still in, modern first world country would be above doing such things. And by that, I mean, I thought that we as a race had moved past unprovoked warfare simply to take another country for ourselves. On the other hand, I'm not so surprised. Putin made it very clear what he wanted and what he was going to do, despite multiple times saying that he had no intention of moving into Ukraine. It was quite clear. World leaders knew that this would be happening. They knew that this was coming. They wouldn't have been so worried and threatened to put so many sanctions on Russia if they didn't think that he was going to do something. He clearly lied multiple times, saying that he was going to remove troops from the border and then never did, and in fact added to those troops. And I quite frankly find it enraging beyond what Putin himself is doing, the other world leaders, European countries, that could put a stop to this, that could have prevented this, including Joe Biden, the President of the United States, whom everyone keeps referring to as the leader of the free world, which I completely disagree with, his terminology is based, but that's a, time, a story for another time, that they have stood so idly by and watched as people are being killed. Sure, sure, they put some pretty severe sanctions on Russia, separating its national bank from the rest of the world, as well as others, that will have long-term devastating effects to Russia's already admittedly weak economy. But this is not revelatory information to Putin. From the moment that he started to put troops on Ukraine's border. The leaders of NATO and the United States and other countries made it public knowledge, told Putin to his face, so to speak, at least through phone call, I'm sure, what they would do, the sanctions that they would put in place, where they would start, where they would go. And not fucking once, once did Putin flinch. If anything, he got more bold, demanding that Ukraine be barred from ever entering NATO, as well as demanding several military rollbacks on all NATO presence in three of the Baltic states. So I want to know how the hell we can stand by and watch this happen. How, how the fuck can we not put an end to this? How do we let this happen? In the first place, 
sure to a certain extent we shouldn't go around trying to police every little conflict that happens in civil war and get involved in those things but that's not what this is we are watching one country be taken over violently by a much larger country people are dying and being killed because one man couldn't handle that Ukraine wanted to be independent he couldn't handle Putin couldn't handle them having their freedom. And so he's now taking by force what he believes is his. He's killing them to take Ukraine back, forcing people into hiding and fearing for their lives. Healthcare workers, I've seen videos of healthcare workers huddled in dark bunkers, having to manually perform life-sustaining procedures on premature babies in the dark. Tanks running over civilian cars who are trying to flee because he can't stand not just being given what he wants. And no one, at least as of this morning at 4.43 in the morning, I haven't seen anything significant enough to mention is coming to Ukraine's aid. What kind of fucking world is this that we let that happen and do nothing to stop it? We could have prevented this. I'm so extremely disappointed in and disgusted with world leaders, including my own, in a way that I've never been. To the leaders of NATO countries, to Joe Biden and everyone that is doing nothing significant in a way that Putin will understand because obviously sanctions aren't doing it for him. You're fucking fops and ought to be ashamed of yourselves to stand by and let this happen, to watch people be murdered over one man's fucking temper tantrum. Now, as a way of calming down from all of this, because the world isn't all shit. There are plenty of good things in the world that happen all the time. I think it's important that we, we read about them. I want to read to you this the story I came across the other day, listening to uh, a local news uh, station talk show, radio show that also uh, is a talk show that, that discusses the news essentially is what it, what it is. They, they bring us news stories. Uh, this is an article from goodnet.org. Thank you very much, goodnet.org for for having this, for carrying this. The headline reads, Discover the World's Most Aging-Friendly Town. And it reads as follows. Retirees thrive in Arnsburg, Germany, with the whole community is senior-friendly. From wide pavements, shaded benches, and a host of activities, this city is one of the most aging-friendly places in the world. Germany is graying 
has the world's fourth oldest population, according to Channel News Asia, and this is something that has never happened before. We don't know much about the effects yet, because it's never happened on this scale before, Martin Polens from Arnsberg Department of Future Aging told CNA. Today, the town's population of seniors is 1 in 5 over the age of 65. By 2030, it will be 1 in 3. Since many seniors develop dementia, this could have a major could have been a major issue for this medieval German town with a population of 80,000. Instead, they decided to embrace it. The local infrastructure of the town has changed to make it more senior-friendly, and it worked. We don't want our old folks to live on the isolated fringes of the city, said Polens. A volunteer at a nursing home for people with dementia said, In the past, people were hidden because they were old. They became useless. So they stuck them into nursing homes. But today, these nursing home residents are visible on the town streets, festivals, and parties. What makes Arnsberg different from the rest of Germany is the Department of Future Aging that was found in two, founded in 2004, but that came about after the town did a population survey in 1995 comprising 28,000 residents over the age of five. The results were a real eye-opener. The participants didn't want to sit at home after they retired. They wanted to participate in social activities to continue learning and to contribute to society, and most of all, they didn't want to be alone in their senior years. This completely changed the way the town looked at aging. It went from looking at what seniors could no longer do and building nursing homes to what they could do and creating new programs to encompass that. Now, it is about strengthening resources and capacities, empowering and enabling elderly people to stay or become citizens. The department supports over 200 projects for the elderly and works as advisors for other departments in the town. Some of the projects include adding numbered benches every 200 meters along the town's promenade. These benches provide rest and shade, but because they are numbered, people who get lost can call for help and tell rescuers exactly where they are. Volunteers are able to travel with seniors as bus companions to allow elderly people to continue to shop for themselves and to carry the heavy bags home. There are affordable residential complexes that are tailored to the residents' needs so that seniors live independently at home longer. But the most successful project so far is the Dementia Learning Lab. Almost 400 citizens turned up with ideas at the inaugural meeting. This project set out to change people's attitudes about dementia by providing information about the disease and to reduce the fear that people had about seniors who have it. Now people are much more empathetic. One of the lab's projects is Cafe Zitlos, or Timeless Cafe, an inclusive space where people with dementia and their caregivers get to relax and mingle with people of all ages and create art. Walter Rupert, who is now 100 years old, said that Café Zitlos was a weekly break for him when he was taking care of his wife who had dementia. Even after his wife's death, Rupert still drops in every Tuesday. Arnsberg co-production approach is innovative because the city involves older persons and persons with dementia as key actors in the solutions that are developed for them, said by Anne-Sophie Parent, who has worked for 28 years on aging in the European Union and is currently the Secretary General of the European Covenant on Demographic Change. She says it makes them feel heard, a key element for them to feel valued and included in the life of their city. 
Parents said that the work done in Arnsberg can be replicated in other European towns and cities with similar demographics and populations. Keeping people active in their communities makes them less lonely and isolated and will give them a better overall quality of life. Definitely, in my opinion, a story worth ending on. I want to take a moment again, like I did at the start, and tell you thank you for coming to my stream, coming to the podcast and listening to it. Please, provide me some feedback, if you would. I have not gotten any yet. You can email me at thegreatpotatowarrior at gmail.com. No capital spaces, weird, funky spellings or anything like that. Just straight, the great potato warrior. I appreciate you. Go forth, be glorious, and I will see you next time.